0: The following message was given at Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask for your blessing upon our time this evening. We ask that you would be most merciful to us, that you would give a great power by your Holy Spirit to the preaching of your word, that your word would be attended with power. For this is not of man, but it's of you, O Lord. And it's not the words of man that we are seeking, but it's the words of the living God. We ask that you would attend the preaching of it with great power uh, for the sake of your people, for the sake of Christ, for the building up and edification of your body. Uh, Father, we long to know you. We long to know our Savior. We long to find refuge and rest in our Savior. We confess that we are filled with unbelief, fears, and doubts, and we ask, O Lord, help our unbelief. We seek your grace, knowing you give it to us, not for any merits of our own, but on account of your mercy. And so we ask, O God, that you would help us. We ask that we would be more and more like Christ, that this church would be more and more like Christ, that we would be knit together in love. Thank You, Father, for the purification that You bring, for the refiner's fire. You are in complete control. Whatever You ordain is for our good. And we thank You for that, Lord. We trust You in that. We ask You to help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and all holiness and love and purity and all the graces of the Spirit, Father. We ask that You would help us to grow, that You would work all things out for that end. And that Christ would be honored and glorified. We think of our uh, brothers really around this region. We prayed for Redeeming Grace Church in Cody and Sovereign Grace Bible Church in, in Worland. And uh, Father, we pray for uh, Bozeman Reform Baptist Church, uh, where, where Brett Shaw is is pastoring as they are meeting now. They're having services. We pray that you would add to their numbers, Father. As and that uh, you would have that there would be those coming to hear the gospel even for the first time that they would believe and turn to Christ and be saved for the glory of Christ. we pray for Reformed Baptist Church of Helena in Helena, and we pray that you would be with those saints in that church there and Pastor Matt Davis that you would pour out your grace and you would give them great help and that you would give them endurance and strength. Uh, we pray for Fellowship Baptist Church in city Montana. I'm thankful for Uh, a good, solid man who has contacted me and is interested in that church. And Father, we pray uh, for your wisdom in that, that you would bring about a pastor for that that church, a sheep without a shepherd, a herding flock, Father, that you would bring them, uh, a pastor after your own heart who loves you, loves your word, and can shepherd them well, though he will be sinful and flawed and will still need to grow. Yet, Father, we do pray for that man of your choosing, at the time of your choosing, that you would give him grace and give that congregation grace and bring them a pastor, Father. Be with us now. Help us by your Spirit, God. Bless us, we pray, in Christ's name. Amen. I want to start off by talking about insurance company logos, slogans. What on earth do insurance company slogans have to do with Ruth? Well, I hope you'll see in just a moment. At least I hope so. You can think of Allstate. You're in good hands with Allstate. Uh, We can think of the slogan, like a good neighbor, state farm is there. Or American Family Insurance. Life's better when you're protected under our roof. Or Nationwide is on your side. And then there's far, their farmers uh, slogan, we are farmers, bump, bump, bum, 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 bum. I hope this doesn't go online. And then probably the same marketing company uh, as farmers came up with Liberty mutual slogan, liberty, 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 liberty. Why am I doing this? Well, guess who is number one in the industry? Well, it's not Farmers or Liberty. Uh, Number one is State Farm, which is tied with a company particularly for military. Then coming in second is Allstate. Are you in good hands? And then Nationwide uh, is coming in third. Now, there's probably a number of factors as to why this is. But does it strike you that the top insurance companies have slogans or taglines talking about taking care of you versus those that just repeat their company name. Whereas uh, other uh, companies are trying to uh, uh, trying to just repeat their name, some companies are trying to assure you that you will find protection, safety, and care, and those just happen to be the top companies. And this is especially in times of crisis when you need Someone to care for you most, like when your house burns down or when your car gets totaled. There's a sense of we want to go to those companies that we have that we have confidence are going to take care of us in our times of crisis. Now, what does this have to do with Ruth? I don't know. I just decided to throw that in there to keep you awake. No, it does actually have something to do with Ruth, and it's this. It, it's not about. Getting a message across, or, or about insurance companies, but how what this has to do is with Ruth is that we're going to be drawn towards that which we believe is going to take care of us. The book of Ruth started with Naomi going to Moab to be cared for, and this was not moving from one location to a, another for a job or to change the scenery like we do in America, which is fine. Rather, this was leaving the specific land of promise and the God of Israel. When they left the land of Israel to Moab, they were leaving the God of Israel because the land was tied to one's gods. When you left one place to go to another, you were coming under the care of those gods. And God specifically called His people to dwell in the land, to trust Him by dwelling in the land. Psalm 37 says, dwell in the land, trust in the Lord and do good. So Naomi's family left God because they believed they would be better cared for by the gods of Moab, by this pagan and ungodly world. However, that only resulted in death. Emptiness and bitterness. But now we see the opposite with Ruth, the Moabite. Ruth also left her family, her land, and her gods. But it was to come to the land of Israel, to come to the God of Israel, to, as Ruth 2.12 says, to come to take refuge under the wings of the one true God. And we see that Ruth's experience was, was the exact opposite of Naomi's. Naomi was left empty. We see Ruth being filled up, coming back more than full. We see that she received the loving kindness, care, and protection of the Lord by coming under His wings. But that care Love and protection is expressed through the Redeemer that the Lord has provided. That Redeemer is Boaz. But Boaz being a Redeemer is a type of Christ who points us to Christ. So in this chapter, we see what happens when someone comes under the wings, under the shelter of their Redeemer. And we see three benefits. We see first, providential care. We see second, protective care. And we see third, provisional care. And all of these, you can say, come under the umbrella of personal care. That the Lord personally cares for us. He takes notice of us. He sees us. And He sheds His love on us. So first, providential care. We see that God sovereignly and providentially brings us under the care of our Redeemer. Verse 1 begins with the Holy Spirit giving us an important piece of information that sets the context of the passage, that tells us what the passage is about. Verse 1 says, Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Lemelech, whose name was Boaz. So the narrator lets us know what this passage is about, and lets us know that Naomi has a relative of her husband. He's called a relative, which would be part of their clan. Now, family relationships in ancient or eastern Israel is different than our family relationships uh, here today. Today, typically, a family consists of an immediate family where you have two generations living under one, one roof for a time, and then that second generation leaves, and you have a husband and wife becoming empty nesters. Israelite families, however, were associated with a greater ancestral unit. First, consisting of their tribe, and there are 12 tribes in Israel. And then, within that tribe, there's subunits or subtribes. These were called clans. A clan consisted of an extended family descended from one common ancestor. And this was the most important family unit in Israel. Clans enjoyed the inalienable right of specific portions of land. Each clan had a family head, a a patriarch over the entire clan, multiple family units. And the family head had authority over his relatives and his servants. Servants were included as part of the household. Boaz was the head of this of his clan, and verse one says he was of the clan of Elimelech, that was Naomi's late husband, which means he is a relative, he is a kinsman, and that he is a kinsman means he can be a redeemer. A kinsman redeemer would be the one to buy back his relatives if they fell into debt they couldn't pay, or they had to sell themselves into slavery. Or, if a relative died, he would marry the widow and provide children, which was very important in ancient Near Eastern Israel to keep that line going. So what the Holy Spirit is telling us to point into this story is that Boaz is a kinsman redeemer for Naomi. The focus of the story is on Boaz as the redeemer. So, the story begins in verse 2 with Ruth asking Naomi if she can go glean in the fields. How are widows to provide for themselves during this time? Well, it wasn't that they could just go out and get a job. That's not the way things work in ancient Near Eastern culture. Rather, they had to glean. Gleaning is basically picking up the leftovers of the harvesters. Gleaning was allowed under the Old Covenant. Leviticus 19.9 and 10 says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner, i.e. the Gentile. I am the Lord your God. And so this is what Ruth wanted to do since they were poor widows. It's interesting that Naomi didn't come up with this idea, but rather Ruth did. It's as if Ruth knew that God's law better, or at least believed that God would provide for them, trusting in the Lord. In any case, Ruth says in verse 2 that she is going to go to the field in whose sight she finds favor. In other words, whoever would let her do it, whoever would grant her permission to glean in the field, that's where she would go. So she didn't have a particular field in mind, she didn't have a particular plan in mind. It's like going out turkey hunting where well, I know this particular area. I'm just going to, you know, I'm just going to go knock on doors and see if this person lets me on their property. But that's kind of what this is like. And so she sets out not knowing exactly which field she would end up in, but verse 3 says that she just happened just happened to come into Boaz's field. So the narrator, the Holy Spirit, starts out by saying, there's an important figure you need to know, Boaz, their kinsman redeemer. And then verse 3 says, oh, she just happened to come into that field. In fact, verse 3 puts it pretty emphatically in the Hebrew, translated more literally, the happenstance that happened to her. Or, as chance chanced. Now, if any of us would say this to one another, I would imagine we would be corrected. We'd say, there's no such thing as chance. And of course, we would be correct, right? We know that, as Scripture says, God works out all things according to the counsel of his will. We know that God is sovereign and ordains whatsoever comes to pass. So why does the Bible put it like this? knowing that nothing happens by chance. Anyway, he puts it emphatically. Well, it's to draw out that this was not planned by man, that man was not seeking this, man was not planning this, and that such a coincidence, if you will, happened apart from the plan of man to show that this is of the Lord. And we, we do this all the time, right? Something very odd happens where... We didn't plan it, where the chances of it happening were slim, and yet things just so happened to come together where God met an exact need that we had at the moment, or uh, we had somebody there uh, right at the moment when we needed them. And from our perspective, we say it's chance just because we did not plan it, and the chances of that happening are so low, but we know. When we see stuff like that, that's the hand of God. And that's what this is, that's what's being brought out here. Kind of similar to what we saw in Esther. You know, that night the king just couldn't happen to sleep. And the very night that Haman asked was going to ask the king to kill Mordecai, it was the very night that it just happened to open up a book and see a deed that Mordecai had done five years previous. And that very time he decides I want to reward him. Who's out in the courtyard and it happened to be Haman? He said, Oh, Haman, go out and honor Mordecai. I mean, that type of stuff we know is the sovereign hand of God. It's not something that man can put together. And that's what we see happening here. And what we see from this, beloved, is that God providentially brings us to our Redeemer, God sovereignly brings us to Christ. Uh, according to Scripture, no one seeks for God. No, not one. The chances of us seeking for God in the flesh is zero. And if there could be a lower number than zero, then that I guess there's a lower number than zero. It's what our temperatures usually are, below zero. But it's impossible for any person dead in their trespasses and sins to seek for God. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, made us alive together with Christ. And he caused our hearts to seek him. And then he also providentially worked things out where we heard the gospel. Whether it was a friend who came and told us the gospel, told us about Christ, who evangelized us. Whether we happened to come into a church uh, one day or just directed into a church that preached the gospel. I still think of what happened with Spurgeon, how he got converted. He was walking uh, to church in a snowstorm and he couldn't make it to the particular church that he was going to. So he happened into uh, another church and the preacher that day wasn't there. He couldn't make it in. And so some weak person stood up and and tried to, to preach a sermon, tried to get something together. And he did not do a good job. But he quoted Isaiah where it said, look to me all the ends of the earth and be saved. And Spurgeon got converted on that where he said all i had to do is look i've been trying to work and that's all it was is look to christ and god's the one who is working to bring him to his redeemer working through the means to bring us to christ even growing up in a christian home where you hear the gospel and you come to faith and there's nothing striking about that that is god's providential care for you That is God orchestrating things to bring you to your Redeemer. Just as Ruth was brought to her Redeemer, so God brings us to Christ. Another providential uh, circumstance is that Boaz just happens to come to check on his field that day, uh, which brings us to the second benefit of coming under the wings of your Redeemer, and that is protective care. Look at verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem, And he said to the reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. So this starts out by saying, behold, which means pay attention to this. Pay attention now to this man. This man is the the central person of this narrative. The Holy Spirit is once again drawing our attention to to Boaz as a kinsman redeemer, as a type of Christ. And we see here that he is a gracious and good man. He goes out to check on his workers and pronounces blessing upon them. Sometimes when the boss comes in, we think, oh no. And he comes in and scolds and says, you're doing all these things wrong. But this is not Boaz. He comes and he blesses his workers. He wants to see what is best for them. He, wants, he cares about their welfare. And we see the feeling is mutual, where they respond with a blessing in return. And then Boaz notices Ruth. He probably notices her because he's never seen her before. Uh, Perhaps her different ethnicity stands out. And that she is alone. And so he doesn't ask his foreman, who is she? But to whom does she belong? Why is she alone? The foreman tells Boaz about Ruth. His answer seems to indicate that she's been the talk of the town. And yeah, this that Moabite who came with Naomi, who left her people to come to Israel. She had requested permission to glean, and the foreman, the foreman gave it to her. And Boaz reveals his kindness and goodness as a righteous man to her. He tells her not to go into any other field but his. He doesn't say, hey, get out of here. He says, no, please stay in my field so that I can provide for you. He tells her to keep close with her with his young women, his servants, uh, and to glean where they glean. Follow them, for they know the the way. But by letting her be with his young women, his servants, he is treating her as one of his own servants, which means he is including her as part of her household with the privileges of her house of his household because the servants were included as part of the household back in the ancient Near East. Uh, she is not being treated as, as a stranger or alien, but as part of his household. And With that comes the privileges of drinking from his own vessels, water. He charges young men not to touch her, not to push her away, not to harm her. He wants to protect her. This is such a wonderful protective care displayed to this foreigner. Overwhelmed by his grace, she falls on her face in disbelief and asks why he why she would find such favor in his sight. And Boaz answers in verses 11 through 10 or 11 through 12. All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you with uh, for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. So Boaz mentions what Ruth has done for Naomi namely that she left her father and mother and native land to a people she did not know, this is leaving her old life completely behind. She left her old life, she left her people, her land, her gods. But what is the reason she has done this? Well, it's not like Naomi, who was looking for a better life apart from the Lord, and she left to go to Moab. Ruth had no promise of that especially being a foreigner. She can be an outcast coming to to Israel, coming to a place she did not know. But the reason she did is because, as the end of verse 12 says, it was to come under the wings of the Lord, to find refuge in Him, because she trusted in the Lord. And so she wanted to come to the land where the Lord reigned. And the evidence of this faith is seen in her leaving her people, her land, her gods, and caring for Naomi. And Boaz prays that she is rewarded for such acts. Now, one of the things we need to keep in mind, when it comes to rewards for our good works, it's according to God's grace. God gives us the faith and repentance, which, as a result, produces fruit in our life, fruit of good works. Good works necessarily necessarily flow from faith. And then the Lord in His kindness rewards us for the fruit that He produced in our life. Uh, Jesus speaks of this in Matthew 6 where He says, Your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And Hebrews 6 says, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for His name in serving the saints. So we see that here with Ruth. Her kind Redeemer has taken notice of her good deeds which flow from this heart of faith. And so He commends her for this and blesses her for this. Sometimes, uh, beloved, it seems to us that God doesn't take notice of us. That He's just out to punish us with these difficult circumstances happen in our life or when things just don't seem to be going well or God's face seems to be hidden from us with the difficulties and trials that we face. But we need to keep in mind that God does take notice of us. And even though we don't understand how God's sovereignty and human responsibility work, we know it's all grace, Yet God does take notice of the, the good works we show in love towards him, even though they were produced, but first caused by him. But in his grace, he commends us and he rewards us for these things. Now, we don't know what these rewards are. Uh, there's some rewards here on earth, but there's going to be rewards in heaven. We don't know what those are, but Jesus indicates that. Store up for yourself treasures in him. Your father who sees what is done in secret, he will reward you. And so we do see we have a gracious and kind Redeemer who does take notice of us. And this brought great comfort to Ruth, as we see in verse 13, meaning probably she was experiencing the opposite when she says, you have greatly comforted your servant. Our Redeemer comforts us with his kindness. And then what Boaz does next is an even greater grace, which brings us to the third benefit of coming under the wings of our Redeemer, and that is his provisional care. Verse 14, And at mealtime Boaz said to her, Come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers, and he passed to her roasted grain, and she ate until she was satisfied, and she had some left. Over. So Boaz invites Ruth to his very table for a meal. This is very significant in the ancient Near East. Coming to a table for a meal was the top way to show your welcome and acceptance and fellowship with somebody. The fact that Ruth got to sit at the table of Boaz means that he had welcomed her and accepted her. And the fact that she is sitting at the table with the reapers, his own servants, means that she is being included as part of Boaz's own household. Again, the servants were included as part of the household in the ancient Near East. So Ruth, a stranger and alien, is now being included as part of Boaz's own household. A big part of the provisional care the Redeemer provides is acceptance, welcome, love, warmth, and being included as a member of His family. When we leave our old life to come under the wings of God, we can lose family and friends in the sense of really no longer fitting in with them, no longer being welcomed or accepted by them. Some of you uh, grew up in a Christian home, so you don't feel this as much, but I did not grow up in a Christian home Uh, when I came to faith in Christ in in my uh, mid-20s. All those guys I used to have really close friendships with, I lost. I wasn't like them anymore. And, of course, it wasn't much of a loss, but it was still a loss. But nevertheless, God brought me into his own family. Uh, like Ruth, who was a stranger and alien, but brought into the household of the Redeemer, the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians 2.19 of us, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. And That's what we see a picture of here with Ruth. A stranger, an alien, a Gentile like us, brought into God's own household brought into the household of her Redeemer. And this, by the way, is with being pictured in the Lord's Supper. Now, we take the Lord's Supper every week, but don't forget, it's really what we see going on here with Ruth. It's this welcome. God's saying, you are welcomed by me. You are mine. You are loved and cherished and accepted by me. And he abundantly cares for us. Our cup overflows. Ruth ate to her heart's content probably the first time in a while, and had leftovers. After this, Ruth goes back out to gleaning, but Boaz gives her all these other provisional kindnesses. He allows her to glean even among the sheaves. That is, she's essentially first in line now, right behind the harvesters. And Boaz even commands his reapers to pull out some of the bundles, just pull them out and throw them to her so that, She can glean even from them. And He even commands them not to reproach her or rebuke her. He even protects her from reproach. This is what our Savior has done by taking all that reproach and shame upon Himself so that at the day of vindication, the day of judgment, there's not going to be any reproach whatsoever for us, but only honor and being brought to glory. After gleaning, Ruth beats out what she has gleaned and comes away with an ephah. Now, an ephah is between 29 and 50 pounds. Uh, So in one day, Ruth gathered about 30 pounds of grain, which would be about half a year's worth. Uh, Think about what you make in a year and divide that in half. What you make in half a year. If you got that in one day, what would you think? Whoa, I, I really scored big time. That's what we see here. And this is why when she comes back to Naomi, Naomi's shocked. She exclaims, where did you glean? Where in the world did you go to get all this? Blessed is that man who, who allowed this. And, of course, Naomi tells her to remain in his field. for This is where she will be both provided for and protected. She won't be assaulted in his field, as is possible in others. There might be some fighting uh, during the time of, of trying to glean, because you're trying to you're poor and you're trying to get as much uh, provision as you can. I mean, we we fight over a discount on an appliance on Black Friday. They're probably going to fight over you know things that they need to live. And so Naomi says, "Stay in Boaz's field. That's where you'll be protected. That's where you won't be assaulted. He cares for you." But Naomi reveals to Ruth that Boaz is a redeemer of theirs, and she recognizes the kindness of this redeemer, verse 20. Now, that word kindness is a very important word. It's the Hebrew word chesed. There's no exact equivalent, but it refers to, in English, but it refers to God's covenant, loyalty, and faithfulness. It refers to his covenant, loyalty, and faithfulness to his people, which is expressed. In His love and kindness towards them. God has made covenant promises to His people out of the kindness of His heart, the kind intention of His will, to love them, care for them, to do them good. And Naomi ascribes this this covenant love, this chesed, to their Redeemer. He has shown this loyal kindness, love, faithfulness, and goodness to them. And brothers and sisters, this points us to our Lord Jesus Christ, our Redeemer. God's covenantal faithfulness and love towards us is shown towards us, is manifested in Christ His Son, our Redeemer. How has God demonstrated this covenant, sure, faithful, and steadfast love towards us? 1 John 4.9 In this, The love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. God demonstrates His own love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God's covenant love and faithfulness is demonstrated towards us, is made known towards us through our Redeemer. It's our Redeemer who gave His life for us. More than Boaz, He laid down His life for us ungodly sinners bearing that awful bitter curse, taking away all that emptiness that we may be full, that we may have life and have it in the fullest. Have eternal life. Our Redeemer out of His tender love has so cared for us, lavished eternal life on us, so that we who were strangers and aliens would be members of his household, where we would be seated at his table, giving us bread and wine. And he does tenderly care for us, beloved. We may go through difficult times in this life that leaves us scarred, but he protects us from spiritual harm. He works out all things together for our spiritual good. Our name is written on His hand. We are engraven on His heart. He has numbered every hair on our head so that not one of them falls apart from His will. He watches over us. He is intimately acquainted with all our ways. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we arise. He knows our thoughts from afar. He knows a word on our tongue before we even speak it. As 1 Peter 5.7 says, He cares for you. He cares for you. He cares for us. This is the wonderful, providential, protective, provisional, and personal care that He provides for all those who have found shelter under His wings. May we trust His tender love and care, looking to Him, not to this world. And may we who have been so loved, love one another, showing kindness, showing goodwill, doing good, especially to the household of faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we ask for your help in this. Sometimes you you seem so distant. And when the trials and difficulties of life come, and really the clouds overshadow the sun, it seems like you have hidden yourself from us. Help us to remember our Redeemer, that if Boaz, a sinful man, could show such kindness to Ruth, Certainly Christ, the perfect man, shows a greater kindness towards us. A kindness where He provides for us, protects us. Yes, brings out those pruning shears, and oh, they hurt so much when we are refined, but yet it is for our good. You love us, you care for us, you're strengthening us spiritually. You are able to sympathize with us. You will carry us home to be with you. We will dine with you forever. Thank you for such warmth, love, acceptance, and assurance. Help us to believe these things and to look to Christ, our great Redeemer. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. You have been listening to a message from Trinity Bible Church in Powell, Wyoming. To receive more information about Trinity Bible Church or to support the ministry, go to tbcwyoming.com. That is tbcwyoming.com.